Sports Addicted to sports A married man's guide to sports addiction Hey! And hello everybody <laughs> Back, finally uh, Doing this little independent podcast That I call the Married Man's Guide to Sports Addiction Um don't know what episode it is. It's been so long, but I'll look that up after I get done recording this. Um, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. And uh, I don't apologize, but I am sorry that it's been a long time. I know I kind of had a little bit of momentum going there and I had to take a break. Uh, so let's just get into that. Let's let's just get into that real quick. So, uh, like I said, it's the Married Man's Guide to Sports Addiction. And... Uh, few months back, I came pretty close to not being a married man anymore. I think that's that's a fair assessment of uh, what my situation was. Um, you know, the wife and I just kind of hit a rough patch, and I had to really take some time to work that out. Um, you know, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I kind of took a break from a lot of things. I'm still doing, you know, weekly articles um, over at uh, FF247. Um, but I kind of stopped writing on my personal site. I kind of took a step back from um, the second site that I was writing on. Really didn't make the MLSFI podcast as high a priority as I could have. Um you know, if something came up with the family, I always put the family first. Uh, and it was a it was a very sobering it was a very sobering experience for me. Um, you know, the wife and I've been married over eleven years now, uh, and it's just it, it scared me. It, it really it really scared me and and kind of rocked me to my core to think that that could have been over. I mean, it got to the point. Or if I have to be honest, I would start to look at other single women my age, you know, give or take five, ten years either way. Um, not in a way that I was going to, like, cheat on my wife or pull the old, uh, we were on a break thing. But it was at that point where I, I started to not fantasize, but imagine what life would have to be like re-entering the dating world. Um, just starting from scratch and how would that, and it, it, it was kind of one of those things like uh, if I knew somebody or if I, I met somebody in a, in a grocery store or a cashier or there was a waitress or a bartender, you just kind of catch yourself thinking like, all right, I mean, <clears throat> you know, past all the, you know, what would it be like to have sex with a different woman kind of thing? It's like, what would my kids think? of that woman. Like if I had my kids on a weekend and they came over and that woman specifically was living in my house, cooking them a meal. Uh, you know, if we went out for a movie night and dad brings his new girlfriend around, uh, you know, what does that look like? And it scared the living shit out of me because I met my wife before everybody became socially retarded. And that's a real thing. Like, I'm not saying retarded in a flippant way, but people are socially retarded. 
nowadays. Um, and it, it scares people when you come at them, you know, in a, from a socially competent point of view. They just, if you're not on, you know, 10 different kinds of Snapchat and this mingle and this match site, if you don't know how to swipe right or swipe left or whatever the fuck it is people are doing now, they don't know how to date normally. And, I mean, that wasn't the deciding factor in staying with my wife, but it was close. It was close to me having to be single and wondering where do I fit in as a single divorced man in this current climate. And I was I was terrified. I really was. Um, and, you know, it. a lot of it then was... After I got over that, where I was like, oh, look at that gal. Maybe she would be, like, somebody like that would be an okay stepmother. But then I started thinking, who would my kid's stepfather be someday? And how would I not kill that son of a bitch just on principle alone? I mean, how do you let some other random dude be there when, you know, it's time to tuck the kids in and shit? I, I just, I was in a dark place. I was in a really dark place and the wife and I just weren't figuring it out. And it was just ironic that I created this podcast called the married man's guide to sports addiction. And let me be truthful. Sports had nothing to do with it. In fact, now that my wife and I passed patched things up, I'm probably watching more sports, but with her as opposed to doing things, you know, by myself. It's it's kind of a crazy uh, flip-flop in, in affairs. Um, you know, it's just... You get so used to being married in a certain in a certain state, in a certain framework. Uh, and for the longest time, you know, my wife and I had a shotgun wedding. Um, you know, we were only dating for a month when she got pregnant. And we just kind of went from there. We kicked it old school. You know, we, we went to the courthouse and we, we we made it official and we started raising kids. And as long as the kids were small and needed diaper changes and, you know, it was the kids really needed us to be parents first, we had a system that, that worked. I mean, it, it did. It worked really well. But now this year, you know, it's my first year where I got the oldest going to high school uh, the middle one's going to, you know, middle school, junior high. Um, the youngest is almost out of elementary. And these kids don't need us in the same way they used to need us. And my wife and I had not transitioned into being more than just co-parents um, on a very effective level. And it caught up with us. And it caught up with us, you know, pretty hard. We We, we both had to faced some hard truths and I think I faced the harder truths because you know they don't like to admit when they're wrong as much as we have to admit when we're wrong on that <laughs> yeah I told her that but um it was tough it was really tough but you know we never did any uh trial separations we never you know well you take the kids to you know your brother's place this weekend and we never did any of that. We we just made, you know, no no uh, marriage counseling or um, any of that new wave, you know, kind of bullshit where you got to meditate together or 
we just sat down and talked it out and then we worked at it. Like we really tackled our problems and aired our grievances. And that, that scariest step is when you, you know, start dating your spouse again for the first time in kind of a new way. And you have to see if you can be even compatible at this stage in your life. And I, we were, yeah, we really were. And, uh, so the wife and I pretty much just took the summer and got back together on a, on a much better level than what we were. And, uh, I know the kids are grateful, you know, the kids, they, um, even when you, when you hide it from the kids, the kids know, and that's the hard part. You know, when the kids go to bed worrying a few nights that, you know, our mom and dad going to get divorced and is, is my whole life going to be upended because they all know, I mean, God, everybody they go to school with, it's like, you know, better than one out of two comes from a divorced house, you know, people making it a decade plus anymore. is just kind of unheard of on, on so many levels. So like in a lot of my kids, the social circles, they're the, they're the last ones with like a couple parents still hanging out. So, um, they were really worried for a while. And, uh, but now that they know that things are good and, uh, wife and I patched it up and, I'm in a better place. I'm in a much better place. Uh, I, I didn't realize kind of how much stress and anger and anxiety I was carrying around all day because you just kind of chalk everything up to that's just life. You know, that's just what it is. I'm just, you know, work is tough or, you know, uh, the kids are demanding this week or whatever. But when you're, when you're, you know, the foundation of your life, you know, when you, decide to marry somebody when that's not going well it, it manifests itself in weird ways that you don't realize you're carrying and um yeah we got we got through it and as such i don't feel like a hypocrite coming at you with uh, a new episode of the married man's guide to sports addiction <laughs> i mean i'm still here i'm still married i am off the market and let me just say holy god damn it um you know, when you're, when you're talking with your buddies or, you know, you're just kind of having that, that dude chat at work and, uh, you talk about that girl down at the coffee shop or you talk about that, that hot bartender that you saw on Friday night when you went out playing pool or something. Um, idle talk is one thing, but when, when actually half, you know, I'm not afraid of women. Like, it's not like I'm like petrified in fear that I'd have to go talk to new women. I now know that I don't want to talk to new women. I, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, I I have to fully admit now that in my mid-30s, a whole generation of dating tactics has passed me by. And I look at everybody now like they got like chlamydia because the research says everybody got something. Or like, what is it? Like one in three, one in two got herpes? Fuck that. I am not sticking my dick into one in three might have herpes. That, I mean, <laughs> that alone is worth just the cost of admission for marriage. I'm clean. You're clean. Let's have a good time tonight and not have to worry about piss and fire in the morning. God damn it. I don't know how people do it. And just being out and about with my brothers and uh, with different friends, you know, I notice now 
people dating in a different way. Like before it was just ambient. It was part of the, the scenery in the background. Now that I've had to study dating for a couple months, you know, kind of on the, the edge there, I want no part of it. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if I had gotten divorced, if we had split up, I might have just been that dude who didn't go back in the dating pool. I might have just been that, that old dude who just hung out by himself and watched sports and drank beer and just said, I got two hands and a bottle of Jergens. I'll make it work. That's, that's real talk right there. Like I, as beautiful as women are, and as much as dudes love, you know, getting some new strange, I'm not cut out for it. I mean, I think things happen for a reason. And my wife and I met each other for a reason. And that's because we probably wouldn't work in this day and age with anybody else. So I'm cool. I'm good. All right. So that's, that's, that's where I've been. Been taking my time coming back. And uh, now here we are. I'm drinking a beer, doing a podcast that's supposed to be about sports. All right, let's get into some sports. So, as I was, I knew I was going to come back to this podcast, and I thought August was my target date, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure um, if I was going to make it. You know, like I don't know. August is right before the kids go back to school. We still have a whole bunch of open houses to go to for school, and there's school supplies, and you know, doing the last activities with the girls, uh, just all sorts of shit going on at the end of the month. And not to mention, you know, the place where I live, they're doing all sorts of construction outside, so i got to wait until it's later in the evening to do these things. But um, I kind of had an epiphany. You know, it's when I finally realized with my wife what makes me happy, I started taking inventory of my life of what makes me not happy. Because, you know, you have those talks. Like, what are you unhappy with? Specifically, like, what are you unhappy with? And, you know... In the, the capacity where I'm the, the MLS guy, I'm the guy that writes the articles, I've been on the podcasts, I have a presence on Twitter, um, and my chiming in is usually pretty tongue-in-cheek, pretty sarcastic, often very critical. You know, the MLS does a lot of bullshit things that I've talked about on here before. Um, and I looked at how I spend my time because I look at my time as a little bit more precious now. And the MLS doesn't make me happy. In fact, I have an active dislike for the MLS. And I found that when I was watching it, I was not in a good mood. I wasn't enjoying myself. Um, so I wrote a bunch of emails uh, to the MLSFI guy, uh, Reed. He's the boss of it. To uh, Fantasy Football 24-7. I wrote... Uh, Adam and you know I just said hey this is this is my last rodeo with the MLS doing full coverage um it's just kind of crushing my soul at this point <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore and it's really it's really too bad it really is because America is so craving you know proper soccer proper football and the league that they put out just continues to fuck it up. I mean, how do you just... Can you just do it the way everybody else does it? Can you not see it blowing up all over the world? There's kind of a template way to do it that's pretty successful. And the MLS just pisses all over those ideas. They don't want to start on time. 
And they want to continue to expand to the point where, I don't even know, I mean, what, 30 teams? Like, something astronomically huge. Um, they can't sell out the stadiums they have now on a 100% basis. Um, and I, I finally had this epiphany. You know, these these dudes who are very anti-pro promotion relegation for our league. That's a European concept. It's a Latin American concept. Well, let's, let's just call it, it's a soccer concept. I mean, it's pretty well revered that way all the way around the world. Um, you know, and America has three leagues of football. We have three leagues of soccer in this country, and people will still say that it's impossible. Well, no, it's impossible when you don't want to lose your stake and your money by being potentially kicked out of the league and put in league two. That's, that's what it is, is that for the sake of a couple of owners, we're all going to get substandard fucking soccer because we don't want to offend their bottom line. All right. Hey, that's cool. It's your league. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to be emotionally connected to it anymore. I'm a Portland Timbers fan. And when I go watch a Portland Timbers game down at Providence Park, it's an emotional experience. The crowd's into it. Um, you know, the if you get there on the right night, uh, you know, the breeze is wonderful going through there. The beer is good. You know, the, you're right downtown. There's so many good bars. It's a wonderful time. And that's when it hit me that what bugs me about the MLS in general is it's not a competitive league. It's a no-consequences league where you can be as shitty as you want for as long as you want, and you can just stay forever. It is like the WWE. It's an entertainment product. It's an entertainment product. You don't have to know who the players are. You don't have to know, um, you know, what the, the TAM money means, what the general allocation money means, what the, you know, DP rule is. You don't have to know any of that. If you can find a good stadium, you can show up, you can have a great time, and then you can leave it. You know, when you tune into your, you know, organize, you know, your amateur wrestling, the fucking pro wrestling, pro wrestling, you don't have to know what the storyline is going in. You know, their records don't matter. You know, <laughs> I don't know what, you know, The Rock's professional record is, but when he goes back to SummerSlam, you can just watch him do some wrestling shit between movies. Like, you don't have to know everything about what's going on to just tune in one night and watch some entertainment. And that's what the MLS is. The MLS is an entertainment product. It is not a competitive league with actual consequences. And when I finally put that into perspective for myself, a huge burden just lifted off me because you don't have to know the league. I, I study it so hard. And I put so much time and energy into crafting these articles, into giving ideas and tips, and it's all bullshit. None of it matters, because it's designed by nature to be a coin toss league. Like, any team can beat any team any given week. And I don't want to invest my time in that. Now, people say, well, well you love hockey, or you'll watch the NFL. Okay, that's true. That is true. But the thing with the other leagues in our in our country, um, the teams may not get promoted and relegated, but the players that you get invested in do. And that's a huge difference. It's a very huge difference. Um, you know, when you have 
you know, a great pitching prospect on your favorite team, and he's going through, you know, rookie league, and then he gets in double A, then he's triple A, and then, you know, sometime around September, he comes up to make his big start to see if he gets a spot next year. You know, there there is a consequence to being bad in those other leagues. You know, there it's yeah, the team's not getting kicked out, and maybe the Buccaneers are gonna suck forever again or whatever it is, but when you watch other leagues, the they've refined the non-pro rel thing to a point where it still feels competitive and it's not nearly as restrictive as the MLS is as far as running that style of league. And that's the best I got. But it's it's because it's soccer. It's because the MLS is always trying to act like it's so much smarter than everybody else's league. Like, they've got this. Like, it's America. We're blowing up. We're going to put some Heineken commercials on shit. Like, it's... No, it's... It's just a bunch of bullshit, and I'm done with it. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know? Like, I saved my marriage, and I divorced the MLS, and... I feel great. I feel great that in the, you know, by October, I don't have to write these articles anymore. I don't have to, I don't have to care about it. And that's a really good place to be. Now, for those of you who love it, you know, you love the MLS, you like what it's doing, you like that format, more power to you. You know, if that's, you want to root for your hometown team, do it. Like, I, I don't want to be the guy that's obstructing everybody else from having a good time. And that's, and that's a big thing. Like, I, I, I am in a lot of circles where people are active fans of what they're watching. And it's not fair to them for me to always be the dick in the room who's like, this bullshit. <laughs> this fucking league. <laughs> you know? And that's kind of the guy that I've become. And I can't help myself. I honestly can't. But, like, okay, I'm recording this tonight. On a Wednesday. And... You know, typical MLS. I think they have, what, five or six games on. The rest of the teams get a buy. So, right there. You know, just let's let half the league play. The other half can take a break. Um, okay. What the fuck ever. And then, as the lineups start coming out, you know, after you make your fantasy changes and after you do all this, um, you know, Robbie Keane's not playing. Steven Gerrard's not playing. Giovanni Dos Santos isn't playing. Clint Dempsey isn't playing. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Why do we even have a game on a midweek if nobody's going to play? Like, what kind of a dick move is that as a league to expect me to sit on the couch and watch this bullshit product when you're putting out B squads all across the board? I mean, come on. And then I caught myself. I caught myself. I said, you know what? It's almost over. It's almost over. I, I, I can't do it anymore, but it's almost over. <laughs> so, going forward, I uh, I have quite a few different things planned. So, my um, my current plan. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. I after well, right before I get done writing all my MLS articles for Fantasy Football Twenty Four Seven, I will be taking over their fixtures uh, article uh, for the. EPL season. So I'll be writing, you know, about the strength of schedule and good teams to watch. Um, really grateful for them to let me do that. And then I'm going to go back to FPL bet 
and I'll be writing a kind of a tips article for him with a companion podcast to go over those tips in a little more detail. So uh, that's Jamie over at FPL Bet gave me that opportunity, and um, he was just really matter of fact about it. Like I was like I was <laughs> ten minutes ago now. I was like, yeah, about this podcast. I was you know shooting for August. Didn't know if I was going to do it. He was just really matter of fact about it. And I asked if I can come back and write something for him. He's like, yeah, why don't you write this? And by the way, I want you to go ahead and, you know, put a podcast companion piece with it. And it's like, you know what? That's, that's what I needed. I needed somebody to just tell me to sit down and just fucking do this. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to have an independent voice. I, you know, maybe I'll only get 12 guys listen to it on a given week because it's just starting up all over again. Oh, well, you know, I just need to sit down and do it and put the time in. And uh, my personal site, SportingSanchez.com, I'm going to redo that because in the absence of actively watching MLS games, I've gotten even more into Liga MX than what I was prior to this. So I think I'm going to put together like a Liga MX tip site because I've made really good money playing Liga MX on DraftKings and I'm doing really well in the, uh, the general regular fantasy game too. So... I might just put together, you know, a few articles a week, put that up there, and um, see how that turns out. But, I mean, more for DraftKings kind of things, but that, that shit's for, that's legit. The last time I made a big run on League MX and DraftKings, I cashed out, I bought a killer barbecue, uh, like fucking infrared grates and multi-level... <laughs> like really cool knobs and shit like you know the wife obviously didn't know that was from gambling but um yeah i just told her i was like yeah i got some extra money i'm gonna go buy a grill and she's like god damn how much money did you have well, I got, you know enough for a nice one don't want to got a cheap one but that was all from you know just rocking out to some goddamn league mx every weekend and i love it and then and that's and that's the other part of what sealed the mls's fate in my book because in my soccer day, like on a Saturday, you know, if I'm sitting there at four in the morning and I wake up to watch in the Premier League, uh, the youngest will wake up with me and I'll have a coffee and she'll still sips off my coffee and we have a good time. And she roots really hard for my team to win because she knows that makes me happy and she likes to see my team win. And then when I watch League MX, the wife will sit down next to me and she just starts texting her friends and family from all over the world, um, different parts of Mexico, some that live in other parts, and they all have their favorite teams. And she'll ask me about this player or that player, or what the score is over here. And she just sits there and talks trash with like stats and different things that I give her. And so it's like this like interactive experience with my wife. Um where she has a good time just giving people shit for their teams. And she got me as like her little statistician backup over here. And I'm playing, you know, my, my regular fantasy. And she asked me every game, well, who do you got from this team? Like if it's teams that we don't root for, then she'll have a player to root for. And just sitting down and watching that with her in Spanish so she can understand it. We're having a good time. We'll have a beer together. Maybe I'll make a margarita for us or something. Um, it's exciting. It's fun. We're together. We're not fighting. And then when the MLS comes on later in the evening, I'm by myself. Like, the kids could give a shit about it. The wife doesn't want to watch it. And I just end up sitting there watching it like it's work. 
And that's not how you want to watch sports. Like, yeah, it's nice having quiet time, but when it's such a stark difference, like when you can watch your other sports in such a way that you're not in trouble for it and they can sit down and watch some with you and it's totally legit, that's fun. Watching the MLS by yourself and just being cranky all the time about it, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. Oh, felt good to get off my chest, guys. I mean, so this was kind of an odd, odd podcast. Um, a little bit more personal stuff than about sports, but um, that's where I've been. And I don't know, I don't want to give myself a schedule where I stress out, but I'm going to do these more regularly now. I want to kind of start inviting people over, um, having some groups, maybe doing some interviews, you know, just other married dudes. Like, hey man, what do you, how do you watch sports? What's your favorite team? You know, does, was it your grandpa that got you into it? Did your dad get you into it? Did you rebel and go against your dad's team because he was a total dick? Like, you know, those kind of things. Like, I, I just think that, this format, this title that I gave it, there's a lot of possibilities. And even if it never really truly takes off, you know, if I'm never, you know, fucking Joe Rogan over here or if I'm never the football ramble, I don't care. Like, when I'm in a good spot, this is a good time for me. And I hope that that shows through. I really do. So that's my time this week, guys. Been about a half an hour. Um, Yeah, look for me over at... Uh, ff247.co.uk I'll have some articles up there um, check out fplbet.com I will have my five tips uh, articles posted over there on a weekly basis along with another companion podcast they're putting on their account so I'm going to be kind of doing some shit and then you know I know not a lot of you guys probably watch League MX but that's my side project someday it's going to take off because let me tell you League MX is doing shit correctly they are saturating our market with so many games. If you have any Spanish channels on your dials at all, you're getting probably four or five good soccer games a week and you don't even know about. Um, you know, <laughs> honest to God, like, if you just watch some Liga MX, you're going to have a good time. It's not huge yet. I think, I think the regular game only has, like, 15,000 people in it. So it's probably half the size of what the MLS is. So, hey, somebody's got to put a tip site out for that thing, right? May as well be me. Who knows? Maybe in 10 years when, you know, this current crop of Mexicans has English-speaking kids, they're going to want to know what the hell's going on in League MX, and my site will have been there the whole time. You know, that's that's my angle. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.